Hello, and welcome to Six Futures for ERM, the 17th episode in the Crossing Thin Ice podcast series, brought to you by Actuarial Risk Management. My name is Max Rudolph, and as always, I'm joined by Dave Ingram. The future of enterprise risk management is intriguing to me because it seems like strong preparation will be rewarded by adding value to your organization, and I'm interested to hear Dave's thoughts on the topic. We hope the Crossing Thin Ice podcast series will help you with your ERM program and knowledge of risks. Our program sometimes looks at particular risks and other times we'll consider specific aspects of risk management practice. By the way, nothing in today's podcast is intended to be investment advice. We are here to provide educational material and perhaps entertain. We hope that you will also take advantage of our free newsletter and webcasts on a variety of risk management topics. Let's get started. The future of ERM looks different than it might have just a few years ago in many firms. In some firms, the emergence of COVID-19 strengthened the awareness of risk in the board and management team, and the result was a higher degree of influence for ERM. In other firms, the fact that the ERM function did not anticipate the pandemic or prepare the firm for a pandemic resulted in an almost total loss of stature for ERM. But in many firms, ERM programs are simply trying to get back to normal, doing mostly the same things that were on their plate three years ago. So what is next for ERM? Here are six possible futures for ERM, which do you think are more or less likely? Future number one, gradual evolution. The footprint of ERM has been established, and ERM will evolve with the changes to business and business environment. The risk evaluation capabilities will continue to expand, as will reliance on those evaluations to make decisions, slowly eliminated the need to make any gut decisions. Risk reports will become widely understood and used by boards, executives, and middle managers. All decision makers will develop a sensitivity to the degree of increase or decrease of risk that comes with decisions that change the business. Outside parties, such as regulators, rating agencies, and investors, will come to assume that all insurers will have a functioning ERM program. Changes will be small and incremental due to resource constraints and chief risk officers will be constantly looking for activities that are no longer useful. Future number two, ERM becomes the first priority. Multiple crises that are experienced in the years 2020 to 2024 result in the realization that a robust ERM function needs to be the top priority. Insurers shift to a much more conservative business strategy, at least the ones that survive do. Management demands a full risk analysis be performed before making any important decisions, and they will not rely on risk reports from the last quarter. Decision-making slows and analytical staff balloons. The first line refuses responsibility for primary risk management, requiring risk specialists to be on their staff who are consulted frequently. Future number three, technology revolution. The technologies that have driven the success of the GAFAM tech giants work their way into insurance and eventually into risk management 
building on each other, and transforming the way that risk is measured and mitigated. Blockchain, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and big data, among other technologies, are used in new combinations to transform insurance, creating new competitive advantage, and risk management must follow along with that, with that revolution. ERM reporting will move to a more real-time capability available on smartphone apps, for example. Future number four, ERM is subsumed. ERM is fundamental to most insurers' basic approach to their business. It gradually becomes totally embedded in normal business operations and is allowed to, to wither away as a separate function within the company. Advances to technology help to make this possible with the computer acting as the independent oversight function. All managers are expected to do risk management for their areas, just as they are expected now to do budgeting. Management of aggregate risk and capital adequacy becomes a normal part of corporate finance operations. Planning department also acquires risk and reward responsibility. Special ERM reports, such as ORSA, are incorporated into regular financial filings and drastically reduced in expected length. Future number five, ERM becomes compliance only. The major recession that follows the pandemic leads to a massive cost cutting, which reduces risk management staff to bare bones with almost enough capacity to fulfill regulatory requirements. Companies will only pay for the risk management that they are required to do by the regulators. Rating agencies are caught in the same crunch, and they shift to only doing traditional quantitative credit analysis, dropping any concerns with ERM. ORSA becomes the sole driver for ERM in many companies. Applying the 80-20 rule to risk allows a withdrawal from most ERM activities. Budget cuts mean that the CRO's only choice is between staying in compliance and attending to important risk concerns. Future number six, the ERM fad passes. In this scenario, ERM falls into disuse in the same way that many other management fads, such as Six Sigma, matrix management, management by objectives, delayering, and management by wandering around, which were once popular, but are now almost completely gone. It starts with reductions in the ERM budget, then requests to fill open positions are refused. The CRO starts to have trouble getting managers to agree to even meeting times. The extended second great moderation makes the risk function sound like a broken record, crying that the sky is falling. The unexpected losses just are not happening. Business units that look highly successful on traditional measures, but not as good on a risk-adjusted basis, cheer when the ERM department is suddenly shuttered one day. These scenarios all seem possible to us, but it just isn't possible to prepare for all six. Maybe you can cross off one or several for one reason or another. One way to start your consideration of what to do with these scenarios would be to think about what your view of success for ERM might be under each scenario. With that in mind, you could start to imagine what might be the triggers that would make one scenario or another look like the true future.
And finally, you can think through one or several actions that might nudge that future towards success. Before we move on to part two of today's podcast, we want to tell you about ARM's ERM Advisory Services. Our ERM advisory team, led by Dave Ingram and myself, Max Rudolph, are available to provide a wide range of support to your enterprise risk management program. Here are samples of recent projects. Risk appetite and tolerance statements are the key linkages between ERM and company strategy. We worked with an insurer to provide a very practical approach to setting up and updating their risk appetite and tolerance statement using examples from other insurers. We also provide an approach to linking risk appetite and tolerance to individual risk limits. So how do you compare the future changes to ERM against the, the past changes? It's a little tough to do that because uh, not too long ago, ERM was still very much in the de developmental phase. I I'd say the developmental phase lasted from at least uh, 2001 through about 2015. And, and in that time, uh, every year you had uh, many companies developing new ERM programs. You had a lot of companies building complex risk models. And, and that took up a lot of resources, a lot of money, a, a lot of people. Uh, and, and so it seemed like ERM was an extremely busy area for about 15 years there. And then you saw a, a gradual decline in ERM activity. Uh, and, and that was probably driven by two different factors. Uh, one of them being that most of the people or almost all the people that wanted to have an ERM program had one. Uh, so there was no, no developmental activity anymore or very little of it. And, and then I think the other thing that happened was that we had a relatively benign period of time, uh, you know, probably from about 2010 to about 2019, so that the, the value you got that you received short-term from an ERM program wasn't as much uh, as, as you might have hoped it would be in, in a more adverse period of time. People gradually started uh, funding ERM less and less positions didn't get filled, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it started moving a little bit uh, towards the compliance thing. So not, not uh, necessarily comparable to what we're looking, looking at going forward in the short term. Yeah, it's amazing what 15 years of, of stimulus will do uh, to an ERM program. You know, you're, you're essentially rolling downhill with, with your financials. It, it makes it a lot easier. So, but with your, your list of six, um, will this, this change over time or, or will these futures tend to cycle repeatedly? I mean, how, how do you see that playing out? To answer your second question first, I, I think there will be a cycle through different, uh, different phases here. Uh, I don't think that I got the, 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 uh, the perfect seven. In fact, uh, we did a survey that I'll talk about in a minute. There were at least two other scenarios mentioned in that survey that I didn't include that I thought are good ones. One of them being that ERM takes over strategy. Some people use ERM in their strategy program, but you could very well run the strategy of a, pro, of, of a company through a, uh, an ERM lens. Uh, and that's the scenario that was suggested. And another one was uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance would take over ERM. And so that ERM would be a part of that, probably fitting under the governance. That would just be a small part of that larger movement. 
I, I think the uh, the other scenario that, that isn't in that list originally is what I was describing going on for four or five years before uh, 2019, which was the slow decline in ERM, just a little bit, little bit less activity every year. Uh, ERM will definitely cycle through a lot of these possibilities until it gets to that either being completely subsumed in management or, or uh, crossed off completely. I don't think you necessarily count it out forever then anyway, it, it, it still may come back again. So given today's situation where, you know, we've had a, a long run of, of good times and, and now we seem to be having some, some uh, challenges, given where we're at today, what, what future do you think is, is most likely? I guess I've always thought that it made the most sense that we'd expect DRM to be subsumed into regular management practice. That, that I've never thought there's anything all that magic about ERM. You couldn't teach it to anybody. Some of it is, is just a way of thinking about things. And I, I think it easily could become a, a part of the way all management thinks about things. And I think there's a lot of companies that do s- say the message to their management that ERM is everybody's job. And, and I think that uh, if sooner or later that happens, then the, the idea of having a separate risk management department function goes away. You start having a few ERM experts, you know, some, something like emerging risks. Uh, you wouldn't expect everybody to master that. That's something you might have a, a, a one-off person doing. Some of the, 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 the fanciest part of the, the risk modeling, uh, you, you might wanna have uh, people helping with. But, but other than, than a very small staff of, of very high, high uh, value expertise there, it, it would be subsumed. That's a long-term view, though. I think in the short term, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I, I think that you know what we saw before the pandemic was we were drifting towards the compliance scenario. That's what I heard many people saying was that it just doesn't pay to do a lot more ERM than what we have to do. Individual companies, of course, diverse, diverge from any of these broad trends, just as they, they did during the developmental phase. You know, some companies had a full-fledged ERM program in 2001. Some companies waited until 2014 or 15 to, to install the program. I, I mentioned a minute ago that uh, we did uh, a poll. And uh, in that poll, we looked at uh, the six scenarios in the article, plus the two more that I, that I mentioned there. And as it turns out, the, of the, the, the 30 or so people that responded to the poll, Four of those eight scenarios were seen as being more likely than not. Uh, and, and, and those four scenarios were the evolution of ERM, uh, ERM being subsumed, ERM taking over strategy, and the, the technology revolution were the four that, that, that people thought were more likely. But of those four, the gradual ed- evolution scenario is, is the one that by far and away got, got the the highest rating from people. And I think that's probably correct. I, I think that's most likely what we're going to experience. Do we end up being able to dictate our future by, by doing advanced planning or, or does our future kind of depend on the circumstances that, uh, that happen to us? I think mostly what, what future we get there, just like with anything else, gets driven by exogenous factors, think, things that we don't have control over. I think in general, you know, if we suffer bad times, ERM will seem like a better idea. If we, if we have good times, ERM will seem like a worse idea. But within that, the way that individual members of an ERM program or of a management team 
the way that they react to their times will influence what, what individual companies decide to do and, and where individual companies wind up on the spectrum. But uh, mostly we don't pick our futures. And then over, over what time frame do you think that the, this next change could, could occur? A lot of changes happen on, on that one year sort of planning step. I don't think a lot changes in the middle of a year. Uh, and I don't think a lot waits three, five years to change. I, I think as, as people look over this year, we're seeing inflation that we haven't seen in 40 years. You know, we're seeing the lingering effects of the pandemic and we're seeing the, the financial markets uh, gyrating all over the place, mostly down. Uh, so people are, are aware of a lot of risk. And, and so it's quite possible then in, in the discussions, in the planning phase for the company, that they will want to charge the risk person to do more. They will, there may be business unit people who will want to say, I want to, I want to get more support from, from the risk function rather than what they might've been saying a year or two ago is I, I, I'm okay. I don't need that much attention from the risk folks. Uh, you know, so I, I think you'll see that kind of change in, uh, going on at a, at a lot of companies. And, and so I think that's, that's what's going to drive the, the gradual evolution is that needs, perceived needs, that, that is, will be causing the risk function to try and figure out, okay, how do I do this a little bit better? So Max, what do you think? Do you have another scenario that I left out? I, I think it's likely that ERM will will surge in importance as as firms blow up over the the next five or ten years as as people realize, you know, we don't have to spike the punch bowl for ten years after two thousand eight. That uh, letting the invisible hand work for part of that time might have eliminated some some bubbles that that have formed. Uh, so so we'll see. I, I think it's an interesting survey though that. Hopefully, a lot of companies will will look at and think about where where they fit in uh, around those futures, and and you know, being a little more proactive than than they would have been without your survey. Just one more thought that, that comes to my mind uh, from that is is that uh, the thing that uh, the scenario that came in last on that survey was the idea of ERM becoming first priority. It seems laughable to a lot of people that have lived through the last twenty years and and how how much struggle there is in, in a lot of situations to get resources and priority for ERM. But I, I actually saw that uh, happening when I was at S and P visiting some Asian companies, and there was a few companies that I talked to who had developed their ERM program after the Asian financial crisis of, of 1998. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the way one, one uh, CEO mentioned it to me, said that he went home one night, uh, closed the doors of his company, went home, and he said he did not know if, if he'd be able to come back and, and open the company again the next morning. That things were so bad, he thought there was a good chance that the regulator would be there already and tell him, no, thank you, you're no longer needed. And he said he he never wanted to feel that again, ever. And and so in in, in his company, ERM uh, was a very high priority. Yeah, it's it's all about setting incentives, and sometimes incentives are are kind of set for you. It's it's that sleep at night. You you want to be able to sleep at night with the decisions that you've made, and you know if you're out there for the best interests of your policyholders. You know, your customers, then 
an, an incident that scares you can make you very effective as a manager going forward? Well, the other half of that, that though, is the question is, do, do you want to eat well or sleep well? We go out of our way to state that the scenarios we develop are not predictions, but the six futures of ERM feel like we may need to focus on a subset. In fact, each may be partially correct. Risk matters to both performance and survival. We need to make sure that the valuable components of ERM live on. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please like, subscribe, and share with your colleagues. Thank you.